Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson here on a Friday, a little late getting it to you. Brian, how are you? I'm good. It's just the two of us. Yeah. Do you want me to sing which, the song? Yeah, which is normal. I mean, sometimes you throw things to Brunts and yeah, he, like he's, yeah, he doesn't care. Like he's disappointed in us. He's kind of like a, a father. You like bring him something like you're proud of and he just kind of shakes his head like you got to do better than that. Yeah. Well, it's like you just want him to say something, because sometimes that silence is the most unnerving, like, expression of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I, I recall that, you know, at, at various times. And that's what Brunt says. I mean, he knows. Just even giving you a few words might seem like too much encouragement. Yeah. So it's just complete silence. I've him. walked away from a few of these podcasts when I didn't feel Brunt gave the proper affirmation, and I've cried. I've cried in my car. <laughs> I just sit there at the wheel. I, I drive around the block to get away from where you can see it, but I just sit at a light and I cry. I mean, are you listening to anything? What CD are you pulling out of your um, car collection here at this point? In my 90s CD collection? Is uh, there a little Alanis Morissette? I mean, is there... Is there anger with the sadness, or is it just pure sadness? No, it's it's sadness. It's, uh, there's, hmm, I don't know. Everybody hurts sometimes. I'm kind of thinking of that song. <laughs> Who sings that? R.E.M. R.E.M., yeah. Okay. R.E.M. soundtrack would be about perfect for how I feel. Man, that is, I didn't realize Brunch had that kind of... Oh, it's true. ...cut through you. Yeah, I mean, true. I know that... He had he to get out of the room, too. and I finally... I'll say it now that he's not here, but... Because we know he's not going to listen to this. Yeah. Well, certainly if it's the two of us. <laughs> what sort of insight is he going to pull away from this kind of a yeah. show? Well, hopefully some. Like, for instance, the other day, I saw that you said Almost Famous was overrated, the movie. I did. Apparently, movie uh, opinions are my thing this week. Yeah. Uh, we can get into the sports movies later if you'd like. I'd, I'd actually really enjoy hearing your thoughts on some of those, but... So Almost Famous I watched for the first time last year, mm-hmm. and this was something that, I don't know if it's because you're you're somebody that has long had an interest in journalism, but this movie has been recommended to me no less than like a million times. Yeah. And generally with the, you're going to love this, this is awesome. And it, like the movie was fine, like it was, it was fine. Um, the most notable or most enjoyable part of the movie was Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Right. Uh, really, really liked him. I'm also a really big fan of Philip Seymour Hoffman. So, uh, but I don't know what I thought the movie was going to be, or what the main takeaway was going to be. It was just different than I expected. And then it ends, and I was just kind of like, "Well, that was that was that." What, what what did I miss? What did I not? I just get? think it's sneaky funny. Like I think it has okay. a lot of lines in the movie that are really funny. And like there's the kid is talking about how he wants to be cool. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, you can't, you know, basically you can't be cool. And then he tells him a line. It's one of my favorite lines in any movie. The gist of it is, you know, he's the kid's talking about the cool kids. And Philip Seymour Hoffman tells him, you'll meet them all on your long journey back to the middle. Which is very true. It's like when you're in high school, there's like this idea like, oh, they're popular, I'm not. And then like four years later, you see those same popular kids when you're a junior in high school. And they've like or junior in college, and they've dropped out, you know, or yeah. something, and you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't really matter that you were homecoming king now, does it? You know, so that's, uh, that, I don't know, I, I found it relatable. and The journalism part's funny to me, like uh, when Seymour Hoffman tells the kid, tell him it's a think piece, you know, like it's, right. there's like lines like that that I appreciate. 
Yeah, I, the interaction with the band and the kid is pretty good. Um, the build-up to the big sort of interview and getting inside the was it the lead singer's head and, mm-hmm. and all of that. I don't know. It, there's some of it that's relatable. There's some of it that maybe wasn't. You're right with, like I said, I mean, the, the highlight was really, was his name Lester Holt? Yep. Is that the name? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the highlight was Lester Holt. And, uh, did did Omaha North have like a run of of homecoming kings that didn't graduate college? Is that no? That is was, that where this resentment comes? That, that was a very specific. Uh, no, that that was kind of, that jab. Columbus High did. That jab can, wasn't meant at anybody in particular. I can promise you that. I can't remember who was home. You know something about me? You know, I was as you would imagine, incredibly popular, being like a six sport athlete. <laughs> um, but I never went to homecoming once. Never went to prom once. Wow. So. That's where I sat. Wow! The, you were just you were outside the conventional norms of the high school society. I was hanging huh? out, like eating pie. At like Village. the other cool kids, it was the squares like me that were at these things. So no, I understand. I don't, I, no, I don't think it was that. There were there were cool kids at the dances. I just was not like one of the cool kids, so that's okay. But I've met them all now in my journey back to the middle. So <laughs> no, I don't even know how to follow this up. Well, we could. Uh, I was, do we want to talk about a guy that's probably was a cool kid in high school, might be a cool kid now? And, you, who's and that? It, Scott Frost? Yeah. Yeah. You got a chance to talk to him yesterday uh, for an exclusive for the 15 kind minutes of. that you were on the phone. <laughs> it's kind of an exclusive. I like how people brand those things as exclusive yeah. when like 10 outlets talk to him over the course of two Well, days. nobody else was on the phone, Brian. Yeah, I mean, it is technically an exclusive because at that moment, you and Scott Frost are having a one-on-one convo. And in fairness to you, I mean, you went first, so you had you had to have all your questions. I mean, you couldn't piggyback off of what other people were doing. Right. Not right. that anything like that would happen in this sort of market. <laughs> in this market, yeah. I, 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 no comment on that. But, um, well, yeah, it was, a, it was a good conversation. Some of the stuff we haven't put out there yet, because there's a project I'm working on that I'm kind of excited about, and we're not going to get all into that. But, um you know, the Maurice Washington stuff, obviously, is the topical stuff, like what's going to happen with him, and, you know, are, are they going to have to use an academic red shirt on him, and I guess what Frost said is that's not a done deal yet, so don't put that in pen. Uh, they're going to do everything they can to stand by him, and basically, they're taking the line, if a kid commits to us, we're going to commit to him, even if there's some difficulties in the process, so... You know, they're still hopeful that at some point he's going to play football here. Scott Frost brought up, and this is true, Maurice Washington, on a personal level, has had some difficult things in his life the last two years, including the loss of his father. And, you know, that stuff weighs on a kid. Sometimes a kid falls behind. doesn't mean he's a bad kid. There's just a lot going on, and uh, he gets off the path a little bit. And I think they're thinking we got to get this guy on the path as quickly as we can here. And he's obviously an incredible talent. And that's why, you know, you want to you stay with a kid like that, too. Let's not let's just cut through it. If a kid has talent like that, you're probably more willing to hang in there with him a little bit. Were you surprised at all by his answers in regard to Maurice Washington? I mean, because there was a lot being said, myself included, um, when it came out that he had been expelled from Trinity Christian. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know it. When it was, we were first hearing about it a few days ago. I mean, I wondered if 
they just would cut ties with them. I really didn't know if that relationship would continue. In part because when someone gets expelled, you don't know exactly what it's for. Yeah. And Nebraska knows what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, we also sort of know it's not the kind of thing that you're worried long term about somebody yeah being on your campus yeah i mean it's it's one of those high school deals that happen sometimes and um it's not academic related mm-hmm. but it uh but it hurts his academics because he couldn't finish out the semester and then he already had catch-up work to do from his junior year i believe so it all pile is piled on top of each other so you do kind of wonder from an outsider's perspective how he can catch all that up here in a matter of a couple months you would have to really be dialed in i don't even know if it's possible and that's why i mean an academic redshirt seems like a likely scenario here but i guess i was surprised that frost said no that's not necessarily what's going to happen so you know deals like this you, you kind of have to just let it play out i know everybody wants to jump in and have a big opinion and it gets kind of tricky when it's about a kid's grades and some of the stuff like that yeah absolutely absolutely what what were some of the things i mean take take some of the listeners back behind going into an interview like this because for our outlet it was the first time that we've had the opportunity to to have a one-on-one so to speak with scott frost i mean were there things specifically that you really wanted to get out of this conversation and you feel like you were able to kind of achieve that well i think we talked about it we wanted to hit on just a few areas that hadn't been yet and recruiting being one of those what does he think about you know things like satellite camp stuff like that um you know the friday night light stuff he gave an opinion and that was actually one thing he really liked that mike riley and that staff did is how they made that an event and if the they're actually repairing the stadium lights at that time so there could be an issue there but if everything is a go with that they they want fans to be a part of it again and um you know there's some not there was a lot of nuts and bolts stuff you want to catch up on i mean you want to know about you know who's going to be the director of recruiting operations bob welton was here a very short period of time before he went to alabama the thing frost says about him is you know they liked him and and wish him well obviously it's a good job he got but he also wasn't there when they were at UCF, so it's not like this was a part of the machine that uh, they had been relying on for the last couple of years. So I think they're, it's not like a shrug of the shoulders, but it's kind of, well, we'll you know go find somebody and put them into a, a working environment we feel is already pretty good with the guys we have. So um, stuff like that was interesting. I think the, you know, the, the fact that with the Unity Council and captains you know that's everything frost talks about is kind of always goes back to a certain way they did things when he was here and obviously the unity council is a big part of that but he has said this before and he said it again you have to basically trust your players and and how they feel about your culture before you can put them in charge of their peers i mean you can't just have nine-year-olds watching the five-year-olds they got to grow up a little bit themselves the older players and figure out what your culture is all about and so i don't think you'll see a unity council this year i don't know if you'll see permanent captains this year which is kind of a break from the norm for nebraska football but i don't mind that in some degree because it wasn't really necessarily mike riley's fault 
but I there were some guys who slipped through who ended up being captains here the last few years who weren't good captains. And they weren't, I mean, they weren't probably examples of accountability and, and everything else that you probably want to uphold as guys that are going to be captains. Yeah, I mean, some of them were good players and made it to the next level. We know what we're talking about here, but when if you're not getting your academics in order and stuff off the field, that's that's not who you want leading freshmen and sophomores. You know, So I, I can understand where I don't know who they send out there for the coin flip. I like this vision of Scott Frost just going out himself to meet four guys from the other side and doing the coin flip. But um, something... I don't know that you're going to have a standard four guys like you normally do. What online debate have you found to be more humorous? The uh, the Yanni Laurel one? I don't know if you're overly I'm, familiar. I'm, I'm a Yon, I was Team Yanni. Well, actually, I switched. I was Yanni, and then suddenly I was hearing a Laurel. Uh, do you know what's happening there? It's off the, how high your volume is? Uh, frequency. Yeah. It's, it's your ability to hear certain frequencies. It's audio laid over other okay. audio, and so that's... That's the whole thing there. Sorry to ruin the mystery for anybody who thought that there was two different things I feel like the Wizard of Oz where I just realized there's no wizard. It's just an old man behind a curtain. <laughs> well, uh, no, that's kind of depressing. <laughs> well, what's, what was the question, though? But the, the question is, I mean, do you, do you prefer that conversation or do you prefer the back and forth of UCF Alabama that seems to have just continued for a couple weeks for really no reason whatsoever? Other than Nick Saban and a little bit Scott Frost have felt compelled to kind of wade into it. That's one of those topics where we just have to let the beach ball hit the ground. You know, it's like everybody diving to keep it up in the air. and <laughs> Media especially. Yeah, it's mostly media and, and UCF mostly. I mean, to be honest. I mean, I don't fault Scott Frost too much because he, he was asked by USA Today, hey, what do you think of the national champs thing he gave his opinion basically sat it out from then and then i think he made like one sly remark to a local tv station yesterday or this week because nick saban weighed in and was talking about self-proclaimed national championships and i thought frost part was actually kind of funny He's like well it's kind of ironic that alabama's weighing in on self-proclaimed since you can probably find a couple where they've done the same thing um, and so yesterday, at the very end of our interview, I just brought it up kind of in a joking way, and I don't know if he knew I was joking or not, but basically Frost said, I'm, I'm done with that. UCF can focus on them. Nebraska needs to focus on Nebraska. So that was Scott Frost saying that beach ball needs to hit the ground. Well, one thing that, that we can focus on as we move away from UCF Alabama talk and as we kind of wrap up what you heard from Scott Frost he did talk a little bit about guys and injuries. Can you kind of run through maybe the list of where certain players are at? And I don't know if, if you're comfortable with it, but maybe what the expectation fans could have for some of these individuals in the 2018 season. There's some big some big names that you wondered about. I mean, Mick Stoltenberg in the middle of your defense. Michael Decker in the middle of your offense at center. JoJo Doman, who could make the safety conversation pretty interesting I mean, you kind of forget about him a little bit because you've got Aaron Williams, you've got Antonio Reed, our Skeldits Muke had a, you know, has has done well, um, and then you're, I think Cameron Jones is coming in to play right away. I don't know if he will, but that's his mindset. He wants to. Yeah, he's a confident kid. So 
you know, what does JoJo do to that equation? And I like, or Luke Gifford's the other one. I mean, Luke Gifford, I thought, was Nebraska's best defensive player until he got injured last year. Mm -hmm. And I think he's also one of those kids, when you hear Scott Frost and the staff talk about the kind of guys they want leading, and you talk about starting a unity council, it's guys like Luke Gifford um, who they would want to lead something like that. So it sounds like Gifford, he told us off to the side uh, that he planned to be back by the summer and the indications on social media are that that's going to happen they start their circuit stuff and all those workouts like in a couple days and i think he's planning on being involved i think michael decker is this sneaky one that's really important to that old line because i felt like they're a lot better unit when he's playing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not even a question in my mind. It was amazing when you go back to last season how much I'm not it wasn't like they're a great offensive line, but they were a lot better when Michael Decker was at center and you wondered kind of why he wasn't at before that. If, Didn't know the offense allegedly. Uh, I don't Despite know. Despite being the one teaching it to guys when he was out there at center. He's like one of, he's such a smart dude. Uh, I mean, he's he's a really smart kid, so I that doesn't strike me as something that would be but if if Decker's not in the equation then you got to think about okay do you move Tanner Farmer in the center does Bo Wilson become your you know right guard you know there's kind of this chain reaction of that whole thing and not that that's the worst scenario in the world but um, I think Decker's going to be key and Stoltenberg too I mean I I think they've built up some guys they like Peyton Newell had a good spring uh, Damian Daniels, I think they think the ceiling is really high for him, but he's also a redshirt freshman, and that's not an easy position to just like jump in and hold up and at the Big Ten. He, I think ideally, if Stoltenberg can give you some snaps to lead off, and then you can mix in Newell, and Damian Daniels can kind of grow through playing 12 to 15 snaps and kind of build from there. I think that's the scenario that looks good. Yeah, Stoltenberg, I mean, the expectation is that he'll be back. For... That's what, for, I mean, all those guys we've mentioned, Frost's general line was, we feel really good about all those guys being ready for the fall. I asked about fall camp, basically, because to me that's the, summer matters, but if you're a veteran guy, it's more about, can, will you be out there at yeah, the start Yeah, are you putting on? the pads on on yeah. day three for Th- fall those camp? Guys, like, guys like Stoltenberg can catch up to missing june and july and in fact some ways might be better off sitting that out (laughs) yeah if you're not you know wrecking your knees in the summer and so his answer was that he's really optimistic about it and then the wild card and it becomes more interesting with maurice washington not being available is trey bryant and it it seems like he is getting closer to where maybe he'll be in the part of the conversation in august but I, I hope so, because I'd like to see what he can do. And I think this staff thinks he's a really good player, and we'll give him a fair shot at it. So. Would be a very interesting. I mean, we we probably forget a little bit how good Trey Bryant was with an offensive line that proved not to be particularly great. And I understand it was Arkansas State and Oregon, so it wasn't like it was Ohio State and Wisconsin or whoever, the best fronts that he was going to face. They were a different offense at times when Trey Bryant was playing. He was very good. I think that you put him in a situation where he's not going to get 28 touches or whatever it is. If he's healthy enough and he can give you 8 to 10, mm-hmm. 
that's a really intriguing guy to me. And you put him with the explosiveness of Greg Bell. And Trey Bryant can do everything. I mean, he can he can catch out of the backfield. He can pick up the blitzes. He can do all of that. Uh, I I written him. I wrote him off in the spring. I wrote him off entirely. And I've been very forward about that. I hope that I am wrong because I I would love to see what he could do in this offense. Well, there's a fair reason you thought that, and others have thought that. It's because I think we all go back to what Mike Riley said the one time when he was talking about his knees, and basically. I, it almost like slipped out I think from Mike Riley it's like he's got old man knees is basically what he said he's like a young person with the knees of you know like a 45 or 50 year old maybe it, you know but it's amazing how they can repair stuff like that now um, I think it's been a long road back for him but he showed on social media before video and it was painful to actually watch a great athlete like that who can not move hardly and then, you know, months later to watch him cut and stuff, that that's at least exciting to see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Anything we didn't touch maybe that you want to get to in terms of Frost, or do, should we jump over to kind of what's going on in recruiting? I don't think so. I'm trying to think what else was tucked in there. I mean, there was a whole – we'll hit it real quick. I mean, I, I did ask him about his connection to Tom Osborne because obviously Tom's been – over at the practice facility, you know, more often uh, since Scott. And it sounds like they're hanging out a lot off the field. Not a lot, but they're hanging out off the field. They go hunting together, and that was kind of an interesting little nugget that I'm sure Husker fans, like, love the picture of Scott and Tom walking in the fields hunting turkeys, you know. I, I'm imagining a, a very vintage 2018 Facebook scenario where someone creates a photo of Tom Osborne and, Scott Frost sitting in a blind, and the, the <laughs> caption is, what would you say if you were in the blind with these guys? Yeah. I, I can totally see that. If that hasn't been created yet, I think you someone should. will have. I don't have the skills. Okay. Um, my Photoshop skills are very, very bad. Very bad. But if someone's good, I could see that thing just taking off like wildfire. Apparently they haven't bagged a bird yet. Um, Which is remarkable to on, me. On their two uh, trips, Scott Frost said that's good because he thinks Tom will want to keep going with them till they get one so I guess I guess that keeps it ongoing but um yeah it was interesting he'd like to see Frank Solich come back we wrote about that you know I think that's a great thing too I'd, I'd love to see Frank come back to a game I want to see him actually come back to a game not like an outlander I mean that's cool too but put him in front of the people let him have that moment if he wants it um that's a nice little Husker moment but uh yeah, a lot of the other stuff, I'll say this, those interviews are kind of hard because at some point, Scott Frost has said a lot of things um, since he got hired and been asked a lot of questions, and it, we're almost to that stage now where it's like, okay, we've every all that stuff's been covered, we've got past the basic stuff, now let's get to the real season where we actually have games where they've coached here to talk about and what they got to get better at. And it's May 18th. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to grind away, and part of the way we will grind away is we'll keep covering recruiting like you've been covering it. Yeah. That was a segue. No, that was, that was all right. That yeah. was all right. I, you know, if Brunts was here, he might have nodded silently. Yeah, he, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have given verbal yeah. approval or anything. No, yet. not not like that. But there's been a lot going on in the, the recruiting world in terms of Nebraska. They haven't added any new commitments or anything here recently. Um, but they are on the road, and they are making about 
nine and a half to ten offers an hour, it seems. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, basically, any 2020 kid that doesn't have an offer yet, you're probably not going to play college football. Sorry. I hate to be the one to break the news to you. Prove me wrong. <laughs> then send me a message on Twitter. I'll retweet it. Wish you best of luck. Some message about you being a hater. Yeah. You're not one, You're not their, one of their day ones. <laughs> I'm not anybody's day one. Yeah. If I know myself as well. You're like, as I do. You're like day 424. I'm day prove it. Oh, you proved it. All right. Well, I'm too late. Yeah. I missed the wagon. Uh, so there's just, there's a lot of things happening. I mean, we'll start with the guys that are on campus today. They have two junior college guys in, one that I wrote about uh, that you can read. It's exclusive to uh, Nebraska 24-7 at the moment. Offensive lineman from Butler Community College. That is all I will say. Very intriguing. I'll be curious. Nebraska hasn't offered him yet. That could happen. And, you know, you may be listening to this podcast and you might already have an offer. We'll see the other one and the bigger one. Lakia Henry, top five junior college player in the country. Another inside linebacker, which I find kind of interesting. A big target of Barrett Roods. They offered this guy in February. I think they were like the fourth team to do so at that point in time. What do you think it does it because inside linebacker is kind of one of those spots on the team where they've got a bunch of guys. Do you make much of that or do you view it in the prism of he's one of the best players in the Jayhawk conference? Nebraska is seeking best players no matter the position or where. I think the latter first, but also if you look at the inside linebacker situation right now, they have about six guys. But there's only three who they feel for sure like they're ready to roll, I think. I'm, let's see. Dedrick Young, Mo Berry, and I think Will Honus are kind of separate. Avery Roberts could be the fourth guy, but, I mean, Barrett Rude was pretty candid about that he's got to get in better shape to be in that upper tier. So right now I'd still cut it off at three guys that they feel pretty good about, and Avery Roberts is maybe the fourth. Well, the fourth might be Jacob Winemaster. Yeah, Winemaster had it as a walk-on. You can't forget, so I should say seven inside. Because then there's, what, Willie Hampton. Andrew Ward. Andrew Ward. And those guys have to learn more. And so you don't want to write those guys off because they're only redshirt freshmen. They could, I mean, rise up and be part of the situation by 2019. And I think we're pretty good recruits. But if you look at it from just like who has proven it to Barrett Rude so far in 14 or 15 practices that he's seen, he probably says, I've got three guys where I feel like I can roll them out, but you need more than that. And so, you know, if you could bring in a guy like this, and he is basically another Will Honus where he's one of the top-ranked Juco guys, and you could feel you could plug him in right away, keeps pushing that competition, there's not – that's there's really no uh, – that's not a losing scenario to me in any respect. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. We're talking about a guy from rural Georgia. Uh, basically, every other team he's considering besides Texas is from the SEC. Nebraska's got a big road to get over. But I think with it being Dodge City, with Nebraska's coaches being held and, and Rude really being involved in the recruitment, that's going to help. This was a kid that was absolutely wowed by what he saw in Knoxville and liked that staff, liked everything there. I think the environment of going from Dodge City here on Friday up to to Lincoln is certainly going to be an eye-opener for him. And I I really think the staff, you know, I 
I think they just do a really good job when kids are on campus. I mean, I think you see people that you want to play football for, you see what they envision, and then they can point to actual tangible results. And that sometimes is the, the part of the equation that can really help when you're trying to sell a kid or pull a kid from an area of the, the country. I mean, he's at Dodge City now, but an area of the country where he wouldn't otherwise likely be considering Nebraska with other SEC offers. So Henry is certainly someone we will keep an eye on. Elsewhere in recruiting, I mean, Verduzco has seen now six quarterbacks in the 2019 mm-hmm. class continue to evaluate. Michael Johnson Jr. is the top one on that board. He's a guy that if Nebraska can get him on campus and come away with a commitment, they would shut down the rest of their quarterback recruiting. I really feel that to be the case. They also like some other guys, and, and one that I'm going to really hit on here Terrence Gibson. They went and saw him earlier this week. He's at Westfield over in Houston. He didn't play varsity football before his junior year because he's transferred a couple times and he wasn't eligible to play. And so he could be a practice player for some schools. Was able to play as a junior. Had a really nice junior season. Has really good film. The interesting thing kind of about him is you're going to get a bunch of schools that are going to write him off because he's probably a shade under six foot. Mm Mm-hmm. But he is a dynamic athlete. I mean, you see his film, and you can see why somebody like Verduzco looks at this and thinks, kid with a chip on his shoulder, kid that's being overlooked, and a kid that, you know, can play. I mean, he can, everything you need him to do is on film. You want to see him throw a ball 45 yards, 50 yards down the field, one-on-one coverage and beat a guy, he can do that. You want to see him break, uh, play breaks down, something goes wrong, protection goes wrong, he has to freelance and create and make a throw to the sidelines. He can do that. He has to freelance, create, and run. He can do that. I mean, so he is someone that I think if they aren't able to get Michael Johnson Jr., and I know the other the other big name of, that gets talked about is Luke McCaffrey, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Terrence Gibson moves further up that board. Mm-hmm. There's, when I watched that film, and I, I watched it earlier when Nebraska offered him, and I don't know if I wasn't paying enough attention. When I watched it the other day after Nebraska stopped by to see him, it, it hit me different. Sometimes you got to watch film a couple different times. I'm by no means any sort of evaluation expert. I can run through a laundry list of quarterbacks that I thought looked good on film that did not start a whole lot in mm-hmm. college football. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. Terrence Gibson is someone I think Nebraska fans should keep an eye on. And he had a comment that I thought was really telling about his attitude, and I think would fit well with Nebraska fans and with Scott Frost and Verduzco. I asked him about, you know, who's come by, and he said a lot of schools, and a lot of Power 5 schools have come by. And I asked him for specifics, and he said, none of them matter because they all really like how I threw. They haven't offered. When they offer, I'll tell you their name because mm-hmm. then they matter. Yeah. I like that. I like yeah. that. I mean, it's that kind of attitude. I like guys that have a chip on their shoulder. I think that he's someone that's going to prove – somebody wrong he's got a visit set up here an official to go to virginia he's going to take an official to smu one of the things with nebraska is they don't have the ability to get him out for an official visit but they are coordinating to see if there's any other sort of way they can get him to campus Uh, ideally they would like to do it sooner than later because i I really think they want to be involved with this guy if they can't go away with somebody like michael johnson jr yeah the one thing that seems clear you know there's some staffs across the country you can tell they wait for another school to offer, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we're interested in that kid, too, because they evaluated him a certain way. When it comes to quarterbacks, I'm already figuring out these guys, 
you know, Frost and Mario Verduzco, they'll they'll trust their own eyes on guys. And you mentioned the height. Like if they see what they want to see in the other areas, I don't. There's another kid I think they offered twenty twenty kid who's like five eleven. I think. Yeah, I, from Bob Jones High School in he, Alabama. And it was his first his yeah. first offer. He he hasn't been offered by anyone. You can make what you will of that, but what that tells me is this staff says, yeah, we like the kid, and I don't care if Alabama or Auburn hasn't offered. You know, we're going to be first to the table, and whether that'll matter or not, I don't know, but I. Some people get nervous, actually, when they see that from Nebraska. In the past, I've noticed it's like, oh, why has nobody else offered them? <laughs> Sometimes, though, I look at it as like, well, that's a staff that trusts their own you know, methods to figuring out if a guy works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, no, uh, no commitment since Ramir Johnson. Nebraska's still at five. There doesn't appear to be anything too close. Uh, there have been a bunch of great updates, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. A bunch of great updates from Blair Angelo, Greg Biggins, and Brandon Huffman, who have covered the, the West Coast. There was an event out in Las Vegas, Elite 11. Michael Johnson Jr., now an Elite 11 participating quarterback. That's something to keep an eye on, too. That raises the profile of somebody like that. Uh, those guys have been just killing it. I mean, we, we have updates on uh, a number of guys from Arizona, including Javin Wright. Husker Legacy, Ty Robinson with Nebraska Connections, a bunch of 2020 defensive backs, some 2019 wide receivers. Uh, so, I mean, it's more than just, you know, me covering what Nebraska's doing. I mean, Nebraska's catching a lot of attention out west, even though there was all this talk that they weren't going to recruit California, that they wouldn't be that big out west. Uh, those guys who cover it for our network say that Nebraska's been very involved. Troy Walters, in particular, has been through dozens and dozens of schools out in California. And he's been uh, making some connections out there. So keep an eye on that. Brian, do we have anything else we want to get to? No, what you're saying, though, I don't often go into sales mode, and I won't go long on it about but I was thinking about it as you were talking there. You get all the, there's all these updates from all over the country. The network, it's really well connected, 24-7 sports. I've been here since, when did I start with you guys? July. July. Yeah. And I, I see it just like all the stuff that, you guys, especially with recruiting, are first to and other people follow up on. So I, I think people should think about being part of it. You know, it's a good community. And then you get, you know, the Scott Frost stuff and all that. And it's it, it's it's uh, it's all there. That's we, that's my sales. We, <laughs> I don't I don't really I don't sell a lot, but I was thinking about that while you're talking. And I, I just think it's all right there on that on that little board right there. We uh, we firmly believe at Nebraska twenty four seven or Husker twenty four seven. I mean, we have more names than run our test, but uh, we we firmly believe that we're the the complete package. And so we want you to check it out at Nebraska twenty four seven sports dot com. If you like what you see, feel free to sign up for a monthly or a yearly subscription. And uh, as always, you know we'll be by to chat. You can message with us all the time and. You can get my great movie opinions. Brian, did you think, before we end, mm-hmm. was there any of those sports movies? I think Rocky was one that maybe you disagreed with. I didn't say anything yet, but I will now. Yeah. I mean, did, were there, there any of those five that you were in? The five movies I feel like are relatively overrated. The Blind Side, which is just garbage. I mean, the book is incredible. If you never read the book, I would loan it to you. It's, okay. it's phenomenal. Friday Night Lights, again, another terrific book. I didn't think the movie was very good. Um... I can't remember what three was. Two was the Legend of Bag and er, Legend yeah. of Bagger Vance. One was um, Rocky. Rocky. What was three? Well, you 
th- figure out what three stats is. department. Well, that's that's where we're missing brunts. We don't have the yeah. stats department. Yeah, he would be on that. While you're figuring out three, the two that I would take issue with you are Friday Night Lights. The first time I saw it, I saw that in the theater, and oh, I really? loved the book so much that I was like, "Yeah, that's not as good as the book." You know, like you kind of you're kind of a book snob when you've read a a book like that. You mm-hmm. you the movie has to be amazing for it to match the book. And I was disappointed, but now I've seen it on cable a few times. I actually think it's pretty darn good. Like I've become a fan of Friday Night Lights, and actually Billy Bob's speech to the guys about trying to be perfect before their game against Dallas Carter—it's underrated. It's an underrated gem, I think. Actually, all right, that's fair. I've only seen it once, and I watched for it the again. same exact reason as you said. I love the book. I read that book before I was a senior in high school, and that is when I basically knew that I wanted to be involved in sports. It's a phenomenal book. There's a part in that book, Buzz Bissinger wrote it, where he's describing the Carter-Permian game, and he goes through the second half, and it's such a simple paragraph, but like six possessions in a row happen where nobody scores. And he goes, Dallas Carter got the ball, stalled, punted. Permian got the ball, stalled, punted. He does it, he repeats it like five or six times. And then he, it ends up with Permian got the ball. There's 152 left or something like that. And I remember when I read that paragraph, I was like, got chills actually. Yeah, because the drama was created yeah, for you. It was there. like, he just went through like a whole quarter and a half of the game with that those simple you know 20 words basically and then he took your right to okay here we are and the rain's falling and all that and i was just like man that's freaking good i wish i could ever do something like that <laughs> i do wonder a little bit if buzz uh sensationalized a couple things but i i it's fair it because it, uh, i have actually been there i've been to permian high school once. really i watched a game why have we not talked about this it was when Nebraska was playing Texas Tech. You went the Friday before? Bo Pelini was the coach. It was the year they lost 37-31 in oh. overtime when Joe Gans threw the And they should have went for two and they didn't I go think for they two. Should've. Yeah, they should have went for two. Even so, they should have won the game because they were moving the ball up and Gans down the was, field. That was the best game that I think Joe Gans ever oh, played. Oh, yeah. He was on fire, and they, and Texas Tech misses the extra point, and you're like, oh, Nebraska's got this, you know, 25 yards. And they got screwed. There was a pass interference call that was missed that would have put the ball on the 10-yard line, and I think they would have went in. But anyway, the night before that game, uh, Brian Rosenthal and I was at the Journal Star at the time. We trekked to, uh, to Odessa, and it's funny, that drive, it's like going through all these towns that are like basically – visions of where they film no country for old men it all like looks like those kind of towns and you're just looking for anton yeah Shugo yeah you are you're thinking he's gonna like pop up at any point and i remember talking about that and we were listening to um like there was these preview shows like for the that night's action like of high school football and all this stuff and it was awesome the stadium was full i think they even played a midland team it wasn't their biggest rival, but it was one of the Midland schools, and Permian won and all that. And I, I have a Mojo t-shirt somewhere. Nice. Yeah. One of the many jobs I applied for directly out of college that I did not get was with the Odessa American that, to cover the Permian Panthers. That would have been interesting. You can still find on YouTube videos of Gary Gaines was the coach of those old teams in the 80s, and there's he had actual... Co- 
shows like coaches shows like there's a scott frost show (laughs) and he would go through the highlights and it was sponsored by like 10 to 15 different places and and this is like 89 yeah or or was it 9091 somewhere in that range it's definitely worth like finding though it's it's kind of a treasure on youtube so uh, i actually like friday night lights and then your rocky take um i can't once someone pointed out the movie is fine when someone pointed out that he never bothers to block his face, it's just kind of like, well, that well, sort of almost... He was sending a message to Creed, like, you, can, <laughs> yeah. you can't break me. Yeah, like he's Homer and uh, yeah. when Homer's a boxer. There's a couple scenes in that movie, though, that are brilliant. Um, when he knocks Creed out for the first time, or not, not knocks him out, but knocks him down in the early rounds, and they go to the, they cut to the shot of the Philly bar... That's watching, and they kind of get all excited. I love that scene. Uh, there's some good stuff. It's a, just a good movie. I mean, it won Best Picture, and the stuff with Adrian behind the scenes is pretty good. Um, I got gaps. You got gaps. He has this conversation with her. That's good. But then the ending is kind of brilliant too. And I it was lost on me for many years when Adrian comes up to the ring and. The, they're actually announcing who won the fight and it's just in the background where you can barely hear it and Rocky says you lost your hat he noticed that her hat fell off and I had not noticed that from for a long time and I thought oh that's pretty good I mean that's a well written I didn't I don't know where that was going because I don't think I've ever thought about the hat no that's and not, I was not I was like is there something I missed is no, there like this, this is monumental thing that I missed I think a lot of people I don't know I don't want to speak for it I missed it for a long time. I think the director had a brilliant ending to that movie because he loses the fight, but you barely know it. It's just being announced in the background, and it's not the focal point. It's that he it, and Adrian's the focal point, so it's actually a love story, but not to get all sappy. But he notices her hat fell off, and I, I just thought, man, that's that's darn good. <laughs> all right, fair enough. The one that I forgot it was actually the the number five, the natural. Oh, yeah, Which yeah. I don't even think is, is overrated. I think it's bad. Which, again, is another book. So I, I think the biggest takeaway here is if I read the book, I just shouldn't watch the movie. What's, like, your favorite sports movie? That's tough. Um, like, it's not a movie. My favorite sports anything is Hoop Streams. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's the best thing anyone's ever done in terms of, like, a sports documentary. Unless someone does something similar, I don't think anything will ever be better been following two kids as they kind of go through their journey in uh, everything involved in that. I mean, it's incredible. If yeah. you've never seen it, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, so I think you can watch it that way. I think it's four hours. So prepare yourself. But It's great. Yeah. So that would be number one. But if it was strictly just a film, um, I used to always say Hoosiers, but I feel like that's kind of receded a little bit for me lately. Uh, I don't know. Blue Chips, maybe. The Wrestler, I really, really like. <laughs> I really, really like that. And someone would maybe argue that's not a sports movie. I don't know. I don't know. I'd count it. I'd throw one out. I don't know if it's my favorite, but have you ever seen The Hustler? With, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. With Paul Newman? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you count that as a sports movie, I yeah, think that's, that's a good. brilliant old movie. Um, I would put that in my top five, probably. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to think about this and come back I, to you. So... The thing about sports movies is that there don't make many of them at all anymore. And then there's kind of... Major League, I guess, would qualify as my favorite sports movie, but mm-hmm. there's 
probably circumstances that extend beyond. Um, and I don't know if you care as much about Little Big League because the Twins are involved or not. But No, I don't. Um, <laughs> what was the one where the kids had funky butt loving? Uh, isn't that Little Big League? It might be. Is that, yeah, the one where the kid becomes a pitcher? Oh, that's uh, that's Rookie of the Year. Yeah, Rookie of the Year. I kind of like the rookie. Oh, with, uh, no, Dennis Quaid. I, I, Quaid. Hey, Dennis Some Quaid, Quaid, a Quaid brother? Yeah, one of the Quaid boys. He's Also, he's in Everybody's All-American, which is another book I enjoyed by Frank DeFord, um, which I thought was a decent movie. Um, kind of an off-the-script one not a lot of people bring up, but I don't know. Are you a Field of Dreams guy? It's it's fine, yeah. it's fine. Um, I I would never profess to. I never got teary eyed at the end yeah. in the way that many grown men have said yeah. that they have in the past. I don't know if partly because I probably knew that it was coming because I think that scene had been ruined for me. Mm-hmm. It was one of those movies that was it came out well before I would have ever been able to watch it, and then you hear about it, you hear about it, you hear about it, and then you finally watch it in like high school or something. Yeah. So it it didn't have the same kind of dramatic impact uh, for me. What do you think about um, Bull Durham? Um, I'd probably put that in my top ten. I like it. I wish... I, don't know, I, I know the point of the movie isn't just about the baseball. It's a chick flick. Right. I wish it was less of a chick flick. <laughs> yeah. Is that fair? It yeah. might not be fair. I think uh, Bull, you could make the argument Bull Durham and Rocky are both uh, sports movies, quote-unquote, where it's actually a chick flick and it's disguised as a sports movie. In a way. I realized another sports movie that I hate that a lot of people seem to like. For the love of the game. Yeah. I hate that movie. I don't know if I've even seen it. It's bad. Yeah. I think it's real bad. I agree with you on Hoop Dreams, though. If if I, if I we people want to get one thing out of this podcast, they should watch that one. There's a part near the end, too, that's great in that, where, uh, where they coach the famous coaches like saying one day you can come back and donate money or whatever and you can tell the kids like no i'm not playing that game that's one of my favorite parts it kind of snaps back at them a little bit yeah i mean it's such an incredible story uh anyways we don't have to gush about hoops dreams any longer and we were gonna end the podcast 10 minutes ago until we got into movies so well people could have cut us off if they want to i bet they didn't though i think people love a little sports movie talk I could think of at least a few people that cut us off, especially now that we're at the 46-minute mark. And we've been told <laughs> right. that we go too long, so right. we need to We'll wrap this up. Uh, as always, check out everything at Nebraska.247sports.com. We will be back, I think, with the full crew next week for a Nebraska 24-7 podcast. So Trying to win Brunt's approval. Yep. Look forward to that Brunt's disappointed silence. We know it's going to be there. <laughs>